0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 201st edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 675th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of February 11th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment.
1: The the the
0: well, the banner moment for me, I, I wasn't able to be on the uh, the postgame show from the Northwestern game, and the banner moment was surviving the first half, quite honestly, uh, from a viewing perspective, a half that I intend to never, ever, ever at any point watch again, but uh, the silver lining, if you will, was the guard play down the stretch uh, that really propelled IU to a, a comeback and uh, a, a win in an ugly game, but one they couldn't really afford to lose. And so, as you look through the last few minutes uh, of both regulation and into the overtime, it's a pretty uh, it, it's a pretty compelling story of how IU's guards really put the team on their back and and brought a victory home uh, again. Not necessarily a, a, a pretty win by any means, but in the in the win column and on the NCAA tournament resume, uh you, you don't really you don't really see that. But with IU down fifty-four to forty-seven and two minutes and sixteen seconds left in regulation, uh this sequence unfolded. Al Durham makes one of two from the line. Al gets a steal, Al makes two more free throws, Armand gets a steal, Al makes two more free throws. Uh, You finally get a Northwestern miss as they get a shot off. And then Al hits a floater to tie it at 54. So that's seven straight for Al to end regulation and tie the game up and send it to overtime. And then in the second overtime, it was Armand Franklin time. IU got down 62 to 57. He hits a big three coming out of a timeout and a design play for, uh, for him to get a shot. They then fell back behind by six points. It was 66 to 60 with a little bit over a minute left. And then this unfolded. Armand makes two free throws. Northwestern misses the front end of a one and one Armand makes two more free throws. <laughs> Northwestern uh, really has a shot clock violation, misses a three uh, as the shot clock expires. And then Armand kicks it over to Al, who makes a jumper to tie it at 66. And so you look at those couple sequences and we think about how important guard play has been for this team. You had Al score the last seven of regulation. Armand scored the first 10 in overtime uh, with the Al Durham jumper uh, from the top of the key, the only other basket in overtime for IU. And and you had some Jerome Hunter heroics in the second OT, but in all, 25 of the last 32 IU points were from the starting guards. That was led by 13 during that stretch from Al, 10 from Armand, uh, and a couple free throws from Rob Finnessy account for the other two. And if this team is going to turn this season into much of anything, we've we've harped on the guard play time and time again. And, and last night against Northwestern, uh, big time kudos for those guys for, for really stepping up, particularly Alan Armand, who really uh, brought it home and, and snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat on multiple occasions there. So for me, that was the banner moment. And uh, we'll get into the uh, Northwestern game a little bit more later in the show. But for now, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Coach and Jared are both off tonight, but here with me to my left analyzing players finding every
1: wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted never lifted a finger He's got all the well, let me to- quickly add just one thing about this dude just interrupted his own jingle.
0: he is ryan phillips ryan have you recovered from uh watching this uh watching the iu northwestern game you know 24 hours later or do you feel like you're in a better place uh both mentally and emotionally
1: I don't think I'll ever recover from having to watch that game. Let's be real. Piece of me died uh, watching that. Uh, Look, Indiana came away with a win, and we talked about this last night, and I know a lot of people thought that was a very negative show. And, uh, you know, we got the feedback about it, that why are you guys being so negative? They won, and we weren't being negative. We were telling the truth. I mean, Indiana never should have been that close with Northwestern. That is a very, very bad basketball team. I know Northwestern beat Indiana earlier in the season, that doesn't mean that Northwestern's good. Indiana's performance in that game was terrible. And last night their performance, I think I kept saying for five sixths of the game was terrible. Indiana did not deserve to win that game. They were rescued by Al Durham and, and Armand Franklin. And while you look at what Armand Franklin and Al Durham did, as we said last night in the post game show, that was great. And, and those guys coming up big saved Indiana. And, and quite frankly, given what that game was. Indiana needed to win that game. You cannot lose that game and then be like, all right, let's just win the others. You know, I mean, you needed to take care of business there. And so Armand Franklin and Al Durham deserve praise for what they did down the stretch. Then you got to look at the rest of the team and be like, what were you guys doing? Like what? I mean, they didn't score a basket for the first five minutes, 35 seconds of the game they couldn't score consistently on one of the worst defenses in the big 10, maybe arguably the worst defense in the big 10. And they really struggled throughout. And And so, yeah, you win, but the win doesn't solve all the problems you have and that you showed. And, and the other thing is, is that the team is chronically not prepared to play and, and not prepared to start games off. Well, and so, I, I when we were mentioning the negatives of that game, I think it's fair to because of who Northwestern is. Northwestern is a bad basketball team. And Indiana played at the same level or below Northwestern for most of that game. That needs to get fixed. That should be a game where you win by 13, 15, something like that. And, and so that's why we were so negative. Now, does that mean we're not happy that they won? Of course not. We're happy they pulled it together and won it. And if anything, it, it proves what we've all been saying on the show that when the guards actually play well, Indiana's not a bad team. The problem is there's no consistency from the guards, and so when Al and Armand play really well, this team's ceiling is so much higher than it had been for weeks. You know, the last couple weeks. So. I think that uh, that you're happy to get the win against Northwestern, of course, but there is a there are a litany of problems that need to get solved for this team. And when the guards step up and play well, as they have a few times this year, you see this team is much better and they can overcome so many of those deficiencies when the guards just play well. And so you're hoping you see more consistency out of the guards, but, but honestly, at this point, who knows uh, what we're going to get from game to game.
0: And to my right... We have the other godfather of IU sports podcasting. We had uh, his, his partner on last week, and uh, Scott has built a reputation throughout the world for being able to channel the voice of the common IU sports fan, also the only IU sports podcaster whose rants can rival Ryan's. He is Scott Caulfield. Scott, uh, thoughts on IU basketball this week?
2: Yeah, what Ryan said. I, I second that. Um <laughs> I feel bad for Andy. Well, you that got, was you easy. Got, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's talk football. Um, yeah. No, I feel bad for Andy. He's got to deal with both Ryan and I. So, uh, get, yeah, this he, is
0: he this me. is a this is like a trap. This is the equivalent of a trap game in podcasting right now. I know it's I know it's going to happen. Here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you got to get the mute button ready. Um, you know, last night I watched so. I watched the Super Bowl with my son who's eight years old a couple, couple nights ago, and I let him stay up a little bit past the second half to watch the Super Bowl. And so last night we're kind of in that same mode where I'm like, hey, man, do you want to stay up late to continue watching this garbage of a game? And it's funny, like sometime middle of the second half, he's asking about buzzer beaters, like what's a buzzer beater? Have you seen one? I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we tell him, I show him the, the video of the watch shot. Um, his favorite player is Al Durham because he has a number one jersey, and Al Durham wears number one, so, you know, he's eight, so that's enough to make him his favorite player. But we're watching the game. And then Al Durham hits basically, you know, the buzzer beater to tie the game. Although it's like, dude, get your foot behind the line. Um, that's all that I'm thinking. But he hits it. and I'm like, James, like, dude, that's that's your favorite player, buzzer beater. And it's like in pure kid fashion, like maybe it's like a hybrid of the game. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. It's like, dude, like that's like, but you're asking about buzzer beater. That's your player. Like, dude, this doesn't happen like that. And he's just like, okay, is it cool? I'm like, all right, man, I'm, I'm done with you. But like that is – that's my feeling with this game. It's kind of like, that was my reaction to it. I mean, here's, I I agree with everything Ryan was saying. I will say this to me, you know, I I think it's okay to be negative about a win. You know, we, to, to me, it's all about expectations. You know, I think back to the football season. I interviewed some guys from 11 warriors for our podcast, sorry, for the little, um, you know, my own little plug there, but those guys are from Ohio state. And I'm not saying I ever want to become like an Ohio State fan, but I will say that in talking- I strongly recommend you don't- Agreed. It's not it's not a good idea. It's not a good look for anybody. The Bucky necklace is really heavy on your neck. Um, you know, but they were saying that, you know, they, they're not arrogant. This is such an Ohio State thing. They're not arrogant, but they expect to go in and they expect to win every game by two touchdowns. And that's just that's what they expect. Not just Big Ten games like every game. Like they're playing Clemson, like they're playing the Browns. Like they expect to win by two touchdowns. And there's a part of me. It's like I, I remember a time when IU basketball fans were kind of like that, not touchdowns. I understand it's a different sport. Like we, we would go into the big 10. It's like, all right, we expect to beat the living piss out of, you know, at the time, Wisconsin and Northwestern. And, you know, those are easy. You know, it would have been Nebraska had they been in the league at that time. It's like, those are easy wins. And like, we'll get up for Purdue. And like, we got, I guess, play for Illinois. And like, that's the way it was. And to, to see where we fall. And this would be like five or 10 years from now, Ohio State being like, hey, man, like we played pretty good against Rutgers. Like we only turned it over seven times, but you got to be happy with a win. It's like, I, I, to me, it's expectations. And I still view myself as an exceptionalist and I still look at IU basketball as I want to play for that. I want to root and have a team that's at that like insane elite level. And so for me, that's where I put it, expectations. Um, yeah, the guys played great. I don't know if any of, this is, any of this is replicatable because it hasn't been all season. But they played well. They did well. They beat Northwestern. It's like, like I said in previous pods, with you guys, like that's the bare minimum of what I expect you guys to do. So, congratulations! But um, you know, hey, Al Durham got a game-winning shot for my son, which he kind of half cared about. So, there you go. That was a fun night at the uh, at the Scott household.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, here's what we're going to cover this week. Uh, we IU got a commitment on Super Bowl Sunday from C.J. Gunn. So, uh, Ryan, will do a full scouting report at some point in the offseason, but we'll do the Cliff Notes version uh, <laughs> tonight. We'll also look back a little bit more at the Northwestern game, some of the, the themes that you guys hit on already, and then we'll look ahead at what remains on the IU schedule, at least what's out there right now, and then we'll answer your questions as we always do, all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get to all that, we need to talk about our sponsor for tonight, which is superior insulation. Uh, And uh, and it's the first thing you need to know about the superior insulators is that uh, with them, as with almost all of our first sponsors, all of our sponsors, is that they are diehard Hoosiers. Brad, the owner of Superior Insulation, is an IU fan and longtime Assembly Call listener. And the second thing you need to know about Superior Insulation is that they will literally make your life more comfortable by helping you fix drafty rooms, cold floors, and even excess noise. Plus, their systems help you save money through lower utility bills. More comfort and cost savings, that's like Al Durham and Armand Franklin taking turns hitting big shots in a must-win road game. And with winter here bringing its frigid temperatures, now is the perfect time to invite Brad and his team out to your home or business so they can do for you what they've already done for IU. Yes, the Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings around campus. Like I said, they're Hoosiers through and through and damn good at what they do. Longtime listener named Rick reached out back in December and told me he booked a consultation with Superior Insulation, and you should too. Because check this out they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You'll get a $50 Homefield Apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. And since the Superior Insulators have four locations covering roughly the southern two thirds of Indiana and the northern part of Kentucky, just tell me the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com or just Google Superior Insulation to learn more and schedule your appointment. And Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell them the assembly call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right. So uh, the big commitment uh, at halftime of the Super Bowl was uh, CJ Gunn committing to IU. And uh, we get we usually get pretty in-depth with these uh, with with Ryan at various points when guys are ready to come in, but we've got a, a, a Thursday night show. We're just going hit, to hit a couple of, of the high points with uh, with CJ and kind of what people can expect right now, and then we'll give Ryan time to uh, review the tape, uh, if you will, and, uh, and let us know more about what to expect. But, Ryan, uh, as you look at, at CJ Gunn, what are the one or two things that you think he does that are going to translate really well and or things that really help fill a void of something that this IU team is missing?
1: Well, one thing that's going to be music to Indiana fans ears is that he's a shooter. He can shoot and he's athletic, too. He's not just a guy who's a spot up shooter. He's a really athletic guy. I think those are the two things that stand out. Is he's an, he's athletic and he can shoot uh, at six, five, one seventy five. He's got a lot of weight to put on and a lot of muscle to put on. He's a real skinny kid. But you look at the way he shoots the basketball, and he he loves a pull-up jumper too, which is kind of interesting. You don't see that as much these days. It's usually a straight-line driver three, but he can shoot threes. He gets really good. He has a really good release on his shot. Really good rotation, um, and and he gets up. You know, he's a guy who has athleticism, and that helps him on the defensive end too. He's laterally quick. Um, kind of has some length and, and athleticism that will really help him on that end. I mean, he needs obviously as any high school player is going to need work in that, in that arena, but he also, you know, can get up and down the floor. So uh, the shooting is the big thing though. The kid, you he think he's already shooting 38% in high school around there from three. And he's also shooting in the eighties from the free throw line. Uh, so he definitely sets as a two guard and, and he's going to play off the wing. He can drive as well and all that, but, but he's, he's, the main thing that stands out about him is his ability to shoot the basketball.
0: Well, I think it's I think it's fair to say that, uh, yeah. Any any time a guy comes in where shooting is one of the main skills, uh, at this point, uh, at this point, I think anyone will be happy to hear that uh, for sure. Um, so, what are as as you look at him? you know, one or one or two things that he really needs to work on based on what you've seen so far and something that either heading into college or something that he'll need to develop at IU to to become a consistent contributor
1: I think it's I think it's ball handling I think that's the main thing that I see that stands out he he just needs to become a cleaner ball handler and it's in, in the videos you watch you see you know, the ball come out of his hands a couple times and and just because he's not securing it on his hip you know he's getting a little crazy with it um I, I would say the second thing that that would concern me is just the the ability to put on weight can he add muscle and 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 be able to take sort of the physical aspect of being a guard in the big ten when you have to drive because otherwise you know here's the, here's the thing is that it's great to have a shooter it's great to have a shooter but when you have a guy who can do both driving in shooting, it makes him that much harder to defend for obvious reasons. Romeo Lankford was a lot easier to defend because of his wrist and he couldn't shoot threes. And and CJ Gunnar, not putting him on that level as a, as a prospect, but if you can do both, you know, and take the physicality of driving in and getting bumped and, and being able to finish. And I think he has a really soft touch around the rim. I think he's a really good finisher, but he needs to be able to take the beating he's going to take every time he drives into the paint. So those are the two things that concern me with, with CJ. But again, you know He's a junior in high school right now. He's going to get better. And, and the other thing I really like about him is you, you look at the transition from freshman, sophomore, junior now, and the projection forward. He's getting a lot better. I would not be surprised if this guy cracks the top 75 um, in, in the recruiting rankings. He's, he's over 100 right now, not far above it. He's sitting about right at about 100. I, I could see him moving up significantly if he continues to develop
0: yeah, I mean he's got you know good size as you think about some of the guards that come in. I think he's six six five. Am I right about that? Around that range? He's right about now? six five.
1: He's listed at one seventy five. I don't know what his weight is. You never know what they throw up for those. Yeah. But he's about six five and skinny. But the thing about being six five is he's not Jordan Hulls. He's not going to have trouble getting his shot off against length. You know, I mean he's he's six five he can, and he can, and he's athletic. He can jump. He'll be able to get his shot off. So I think that's big for a perimeter player. And also when you drive again. The difference between being six one and being six five is tremendous, as far as being able to finish the rim.
0: Yep, agreed. There's a really good uh, Q and A with with both CJ Gunn and his dad uh, that Alex posted on Inside the Hall, so that's another place guys can go. I think some of his uh, even self assessments match up pretty well with what Ryan talked about. Scott, uh, I think you had a, a question you wanted to hop in with.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love hearing that we're going to get shooters. Like that's a novel concept. Uh, my question to to Ryan would be, having watched some of this, is. You know, going back in time like Demezi Anderson came in as the shooter and I, I I did not watch these guys. I'm not a big recruiting guy in high school. Sure. Like, he came in as a shooter Christian Lander was a five star you know Anthony Leal um, has came in as a shooter like that that would be my question is do you see anything with gun that you think would make him more successful to translate that from high school to college where we've seen the inability on some other guys to do that?
1: Yeah, so when demezi was recruited and Andy will remember this, I was highly critical of his shot. And I said, like, he's got touch, and his shot goes in, but it's not a good shot, you know, and it's very flat-footed and all this stuff. When I see C.J. Gunn, he has great form. His shoulders are always square. He's facing the basket. His feet are a little off. That's the one thing that will get that will get sort of fixed is his feet angle a little to the side instead of at the hoop, so he's not fully square to the hoop. But his shoulders are square. He gets up. He gets into a good shooting position, and his release and the rotation that comes off the ball look great. I mean – Demizi did it and the ball spun sideways, you know, but for some reason, I don't know what it was about the physics of his shot. I clearly don't understand physics because if I look at it, I don't know how Demizi Anderson ever made a shot in high school uh, with Lander. I also talked about his shot is that in the actual above the waist Lander's great His form. I mean, it's a little low, but it's form. the, the backspin he gets off the ball and all that, but his feet point completely away from the basket. And that's any shooting coach will tell you that's not how you make a, a shot. Now, some guys are talented to overcome those deficiencies of footwork and stuff, but he's not at this point. And, and so, I think again, this offseason is going to be huge for Lander. Leal is a good shooter. He's just not taking advantage of the opportunities necessarily. And again, he's a freshman in the Big Ten. He's not used to playing against guys who close out that quickly, who have that kind of size. It's going to take time for that develop, to develop. But his shot form is excellent, and it will be fine. I think that as he gets older, especially and gets used to being relied upon as a shooter, you're going to see him take more. And you'll see Archie Miller and the other guys on the team often say to Leo, hey, shoot that. You were open. Shoot that. You know, So I think Leo is, is, is a more fair comparison to, to, to Gun just because of the form is right, the, the way they shoot. They've clearly been coached and trained as shooters and not been just sort of allowed to keep going because they make it. They have coachable, you know, coached shooting form. And and um, so I would say that's more of a of a correct comparison. I understand your your hesitancy though. We've heard for years, oh no, the shooters are coming. The shooters are coming. CJ Gun can shoot the ball.
3: The
2: thing that I do like it just real quick that I love about him is we can add him to our great lineup of cool name guys. Like for a while there, when like you, had, you mentioned Jordan Halls, like Halls and Watford, like there was a time where I, I love this kind of weird stuff. You could run a lineup. They never did it, but you could almost run a lineup with like one, two, three, four, five five of numbers. Just the top five or the five, you know, the numbers in the jerseys. Right now we have a possible cool lineup of, you know, Race Thompson, great name. You get C.J. Gunn, like you give him, you know, the nickname Tommy Gunn or Gun Shooter, Gunslinger. You got that. Jordan Geronimo is like a top notch, ace level name. Like we're putting together just a killer name squad. It's going to look the roster, the written roster is going to look awesome. It's just, yeah, Christian spelled all funky. I love it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Nice. Nice. I did look. I was just curious what Leo is actually shooting from three this year. He's 8 of 22 overall, 36% um, from three, 7 of 17, so over 41% in Big Ten play. Uh, there's an yeah. argument to be made He's just gotta take trying to shots. get him to shoot more. Yeah. He's taken all of two two-point yeah. shots so yeah, far as well. 50% on twos, if anybody's wondering.
1: And one of them was one that fell into his lap under the basket.
0: That know? was that was, like <laughs> that was the one. That was the one. Yeah, I don't even remember what um, the other one was, but I did remember the same shot. Um, Ryan, do I dare ask you for a a player comp with CJ Gunn, or do we do we withhold you that shouldn't. question? You should until until later.
1: No, you know, an Indiana related one would be sort of a a much more well rounded and better Al Durham. Um, if you look at their body types and and sort of the way they. They attack the game, um, and, and Al's become a pretty good shooter. I, I think. I think if you look at at the same time frame, CJ is way ahead of where Al was as a basketball player. He's a very well rounded basketball player, but there's so much upside there because of the athleticism. You know, this is Anthony Leo, When he reached, you know, sort of the peak of where he was offensively in high school, all he could do was get better defensively and with effort. That was it, you know, because he he could shoot it already and he could do this and do that, but he was never going to be a guy who's going to take guys off the dribble at, at the college level. CJ Gunn has a long way to go development wise in a positive direction. He's already a pretty good player. So there's definitely a lot of upside here for him to continue to get better. I think that's, what's most exciting about him is that he can already shoot. You know, you know, a lot of these guys we've had coming in are like, well, they're drivers and they score points, but you, know, you look at the shot. Armand Franklin was that way. Armand Franklin could do everything on a basketball court except shoot when he was in high school. Rob Finnessy was kind of that way, too. He was more of a, you know, a driver, and his three-point shot got gradually better in, in high school. CJ Gunn can already do all of that stuff and is already a pretty dominant player in high school.
0: All right, well, coming up on the Assembly Call, we're going to look back a little bit more at the Northwestern game and then look ahead to the final six scheduled games on the uh, IU schedule and talk about what they need to do in those games to get to the NCAA tournament. So we're going to hit that next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call.
3: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater, the full court dribble, and perfectly placed pass to set it all up? And, of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content over our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Andy bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Scott Caulfield of crimson cast. And, uh, and I guess, you know, this is probably a good place to say if if you do join the chat mob, it can eventually lead to you being on the show. So, uh, you know, uh, Chad stepped in, did a great job hosting after the Northwestern game and uh, and and coach Marlowe and uh, and Kathy did a nice job after uh, the day after uh, the Iowa game. So uh, appreciate everybody filling in as uh, I've got I've had a lot of uh, basketball related commitments for my daughter lately. So uh, appreciate them. And uh, uh Kudos to all of them for a, a job well done. So before we look at the remaining schedule, guys, I wanted to kind of talk briefly about last night's game. And Ryan, I think you you alluded to this in your opening. I, the, the way I boiled the question down was was essentially, how do you reconcile the fact that IU played poorly for really large stretches of the game while also like giving them some credit for being able to come back, uh, falling behind, coming back, getting a, a much-needed road win, um, and, and kind of avoiding disaster in, in some ways. And, and Scott, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. I mean, how do you kind of look at that stuff together? I know you alluded to it a little bit in the opening and, and, and kind of, how do you put a performance like that into maybe the larger picture of, uh, of your thoughts about where the program is right now?
2: I mean, I think your point, what you just said is interesting, like avoiding disaster. It feels like that's what we've been doing for a couple of years, especially this season. It's like we beat Iowa and then we immediately turn around and lose to Rutgers. And it's like we beat Iowa again. It's like I think all of us were looking at this. And I was actually – I knew I was coming on here before the Northwestern game. And I'm like, if we lose Northwestern, like the show is going to be easy. Just, I can just go on and just rail on everything that I'm feeling. This becomes a little bit harder because, you know, we won. So you have to kind of reconcile that. But, you know – A couple things here. It's like... I know that, you know, and Jared had a good thread on the assembly called Twitter about, you know, how a win is a win and kind of, you know, we should still be happy with wins. And I get that. but It's like, you know, I'm not a fifth century monk here. Like, this is supposed to be fun. Like, this isn't penance I'm supposed to, like, take in and be slapping myself on the back with, you know, a thing with spikes on it. It's like, this is supposed to be fun. I'm supposed to enjoy this. And, like, that game just wasn't fun to watch. Like It wasn't fun basketball. I think, Andy, you had a great tweet halfway through. It's like, my DVR says it's basketball, but, like, nothing on this screen says it is or paraphrasing you but it's like they're not fun to watch and watching us barely beat a you know basically you said avert disaster barely is isn't what I call like a great expectation for the year um you know there's just there's a lot of harbingers that are just not great um you know 707 days I just figured it out that's the last time we won three Big Ten games in a row. So, like, let's go for that this weekend. Like, that would be nice. It was 2019, March 7th, the last time we won three Big Ten games in a row. Like, we all know the Purdue thing haven't won. It, it just feels like we haven't had just an, a, an extended period of, like, I feel good about where we are with basketball at, at IU and things are going well. Like, it's like I we beat Iowa, and I think I feel like a lot of people where it's like, okay, great, can you do it again? Um, and that's that's my takeaway from this Northwestern game my big one is not that Northwestern's bad because they are, not that we played bad for the most part because we did. It's like, I, I don't know with this team at all what you can take away from anything. Cause you're right. Like Al Durham played really well. Is that replicatable? Like, is he going to do it again? Um, you know, Trace Jackson Davis has played really well. in the last like two or three games and he's played really badly. Is that going to turn around? You know, Rob Fennessy seems to be off on an island. I want happy Rob back who's hitting game-winning shots. Can that happen? You know, Armand Franklin has has improved a lot this year, but he's also had a couple of games where he's had some clunkers. Um, you know, th- the ability of getting everyone together is tough. And and then you have, you know, the freshmen who are playing like freshmen, which we expect, but, you know, nobody's really standing out. But but that's, that's kind of the part where it's tough for me to just say, okay, I feel great about beating Northwestern. Because it's like, are, c- can any of this be replicated or move forward to Ohio State? Like Ohio State's a much better team. Can we play better against them? Like it's on the roads. So maybe that's good. I don't know. We don't play well at home anymore. Like <laughs> we come home from Minnesota and Michigan State. Like can we bring any of that? Like th- that's the frustrating thing for me. Just this season is it's like game to game, nothing seems to, to roll over, and everything. It's like, oh great, you know, I'll, you know, uh, you know, Al Durham had a great game he might score two points (laughs) this weekend. Um, And so I I just don't know where to put any of this in context with anything. Um, So there you go. That's that's a long way to say, you know, shrug shoulders emoji. Mm -mm.
0: (laughs) Ryan, what about you?
1: It's just, it's, it's hard to watch the way they played and to see, first of all, to watch the way they played on the road against Iowa. In a tough environment, being on the road anywhere is a tough environment. A long way from home, that's not a you know close road trip. They went there, they played stellar defense, found so many different guys to contribute offensively. Have Rob Finney go off for maybe the best game of his career with you know eighteen points and playing stellar defense and all of that, and then have it completely disappear over the next couple of games, and it, and it's. You know they beat Iowa again at home, but Iowa really didn't play well. And 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 you're still again you're happy with the win because they they went and beat a, a a good team, beat them, and then you go on the road and you just lay an egg, and then you bear you do barely win it because two of your guys rescue. Now look, there are going to be games where you need guys to rescue. you. I mean that that's in the big, especially in the Big Ten, it's a tough conference. But other teams figure out how to win these games, and other coaches. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to turn this into an Archie session, but. Other coaches figure out how to have their teams prepared to play every time they step on the floor. And, and, and every team has leaders who prepare them to be ready to go on the floor. And there's consequences if, you're not, if it's not ready to go, whether it's your teammates getting into you or it's your coaches getting into you or whatever, and you don't see this repeated. Now, the bottom feeders of the conference don't have that, but the good teams do. So what does Indiana have to do to go from being a middle of the road or lower tier middle, you know, team to getting better? You have to consistently win games like that, and you have to leave no doubt. You have to finish games. They finished against Northwestern, but they really struggled to finish all season in in big games. It just feels like this is a team that plays down to its competition and then plays up to its competition. But then when it does play up to its competition, you know, in the, against the better teams. They've had they've really struggled to finish except against Iowa. so it's it's almost like they're losing games they shouldn't lose, and then they're losing games where they're in it at the end and should maybe have plenty of chances to win and, and just for some reason don't. And it's just there's no consistency. It's frustrating, and you get bits and pieces that are positive, but then you have these overwhelming negatives constantly in the background. So it's hard. you're happy with the win. Like when they won yesterday, I was happy that they won. But then I looked at the you look at the game and you say, I mean, what is there here that's positive other than Al and 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 Armand stepping up late? Like you want to see whole team positives, like you saw in that road win against Iowa, and those are just few and far between with this team.
0: Yeah, I think the 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 challenge is ultimately in what a lot of what you guys said. It's the it's just the, the kind of lack of progression or building on from one game to the next and and making some of those, those differences. And so every time, even when we come on here after a good game, it it just feels to me like everybody just wants to keep the team at arm's length because they've seen enough of the flaws that they've seen enough of the, the inconsistency to say, "I, I refuse to let myself get sucked into really believing this team is going to turn the corner. And, and, to be fair, to this point, that's worked because you, you they haven't really done that. But I think I think it's that that lack of, of consistency that really makes it hard for people to to buy in and kind of enjoy it because you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop at some point and figure out what's going to happen in the next game. And so i you know, found myself the same way last night sitting watching the game. You know, once you got past the I mean, the first half was was an abomination, an affront to the game of basketball. But once it you was got abysmal. past, once you got past, once you got, you know, you get past some of that and you really get into the flow of the game. Like I let myself get into the, you know, get excited about them coming back and, and being excited about that part. I think it's just, uh, I, it, the expectations are high. They're, they're not meeting those. And so uh, consistently, and so I think it becomes a, you know, can you, is that blocking you from then being able to enjoy anything even the even the 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 higher points or the comebacks or whatever and i you know i think that's for every fan i guess to decide on their own like where they come down on that side of the argument um in terms of what they do but i'm not i i don't blame people for getting frustrated by it because it is frustrating to watch and you do wish that there was more consistency um and i don't you know but i also am watching the games for entertainment. And this year has brought a lot of perspective that there are a heck of a lot things more important than, than a college basketball game. So I I maybe can move on a little bit easier when things don't go the way that I, I would want them to. But I think what everybody wants to see is developing that consistency, both from an individual player standpoint, knowing that not everyone is going to have a great game every single night out. You're going to have off games, but just the defensive effort kind of waning, you know, at different points through the game and then really ratcheting up at other points. And and some of those things, I think that ultimately is what has people frustrated and what leaves people with an inability to really fully buy into the team, which perhaps is unfair. But I think as I try to put myself in other people's shoes, like I think it's pretty easy to see why people would, would keep this team at arm's length, would doubt it, would whatever you want to say.
2: Well, one thing you said is that, you know, expectations are high. I would disagree. I think expectations are mediocre. I mean, we're we're hoping just to go 500 in the Big Ten. But I I, I will say this is probably a topic for offseason. But I, I think this goes to a larger point that, you know, when I looked at football this year, you know, to, to me, the two biggest things in football is like when we beat Michigan, it's like people are like, oh, this is for real. Like, this isn't just a, a crazy reach against Penn State. Like, this is actually going to happen. Then, like, we went and, like, you know, Pennix goes out and we beat Wisconsin. It's like, oh, like, this is for real, for real. Like, this is, like, actually a good team. Um, You know, that is – you mentioned entertainment a couple of times, like that is the thing that I would say has been a problem under the Archie era is just like the inability to do things that are like just a perception that looks good. Like this team, you know, they, they win these games against Iowa and they go out and lose to Rutgers and you know, how you win matters. And like, you come out, you don't score for five and a half minutes. It's like, are are, are we like, you struggle to beat Northwestern. I mean, part of sports is kind of like being able to talk smack with your friends and like, Oh, like, you know, we're, we're taking them down. Like, I I, I'm getting off the trail here, but like I noticed this on Twitter last night. Like it just seemed like there's less people kind of bantering about it on Twitter. Like I know, and maybe our podcast sucks. Maybe people don't like us. I know that our listenership is down like a lot this year compared to football, like of all things, like football is getting more listeners. Like, I just think overall there's a lack of interest in IU basketball because, A, we haven't been as great, you know, as relevant or as good. But also, like you mentioned, the people are keeping this team at arm's lengths and it's kind of like, "Am hey, i just watch the Pacers. I'll do something else. It's like, I don't – I'm not going to get super invested because the team doesn't seem to care or it's like it's – it doesn't – nobody feels like this is really going to lead to anything. And I – I think, again, this is probably a conversation for off season. but I think that is the single biggest thing that IU athletics needs to worry about going into the offseason and next year is this just general malaise of, you know, where the fan base is and just lack of interest based on games like this. I mean, how you win matters sometimes even more than just not, not if you win, but how you win matters.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I, I think it is. Yeah, you know, these last six games, that's probably as good a segue as any, to kind of talk through the last six games on the schedule and what that means. But the way those go it, it is gonna really, you know, push people in one direction or the other. If things go really poorly, um I, either way, I think that these six games are going to have go a long way toward determining what the tone is of that conversation that you talked about in the offseason. But let's let's talk quickly uh, about what IU has left, at least what we know at this point. So right now they sit at eleven and eight, six and six in the Big Ten. Uh, they've got six remaining games scheduled at this point. No word on whether or not the games at Michigan at Michigan State will be rescheduled. It looked like tonight the 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 Big Ten has rescheduled one of the games Nebraska missed. So I'm not sure if that's on the back burner. I, I don't really know. As uh, so you look, so starts this weekend at Ohio State. That's a uh, that's a quad one game. Minnesota at home uh, as of this morning was a quad two game. Michigan State at home, which is actually a quad three game. Then at Rutgers, quad one. Michigan at home, quad one. At Purdue, quad one. So IU sits at forty fifth in the net as of this morning. They're two and seven in quad one opportunities. With both those wins coming uh, in Iowa, three of the losses did come in overtime you've got 5 and 0 against quad 2 and then 2 and 1 against quad 3 with that northwestern game uh the lone loss and it's it's funny if you look and say if they don't lay an egg against northwestern at home and you win even one of those uh overtime games that falls in quad 1 like how differently you might feel about this and i think that's the other part as we you know kind of tie in the prior discussion some of this is being you're 13 not, and 6 yeah not coming out no. of the yeah and you're you know you're 7 and 5 in the big 10 if if or no you'd be eight and four in the big 10, assuming one of the overtime games you won was either the Illinois or the Wisconsin game and not the Florida state one. But yeah, you'd look at that and I think you'd frame it differently. I think you'd maybe be a little bit more apt to say, eh, this, this clunker on the road against Nebraska was not great or against Northwestern was not great, but look at these other games they won. So it's kind of interesting to look at it that way. Uh, in the bracket matrix, as of, uh, February 10th, IU was in 92 of the 101 brackets that were submitted. They were basically the, the highest 11th seed. So that'd make them 41st on the, on the seed list. So in the field, but not safely in, uh, by any stretch. So as you look at these last few games, Ryan, I mean, what's your, what's your sense of what is feasible for this team to, to accomplish and, uh, you know, maybe which, which game or, or games are the, the swing games of that, of that sequence.
1: Well, you've got to beat Minnesota and Michigan State, I think, you know, given that that's a quad two and a quad three. I mean, you have to win those. And Michigan State, look, Michigan State's a talented team. They just had no guard play. And if those guards figure it out, that becomes a much more difficult game. Uh, so you, know, you put yourself with some losses, again, at home to Rutgers, uh, you know, against Purdue, getting smacked around. Like, you lose those games and you put yourself in a situation where you might have to beat a talented team that finds its footing late in Michigan State. You've got to beat Minnesota. There's no question. Miss go to beat Purdue. You know, I mean, it's that's, that's not a terrible team. Um, you've got to beat them both. And then you, I mean, I feel like at Purdue is when you've got a target. Um, and then at Rutgers, I mean, you played even with Rutgers at home, essentially. And Trace Jackson Davis did not play a good game in that game. And a couple of other guys didn't. And you came out flat. That's a team you can play with. You've just got to go do it, and especially with, with Armand Franklin feeling better and looking much better. So those are the three: the Minnesota, Michigan State, and Rutgers are the ones you've got to look at and think. All right, we don't have to win all three; we got to win two of these. But I think that Minnesota, Michigan State, and then Rutgers and/or Purdue, both of those games are on the road, and you've put yourself in this position where you've got to win them. You know.
0: Yeah, Scott, how do you uh, how do you approach these last uh, last six?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with what Ryan said. I would also say, I, I mention this all the time, you know, I know it's weird for an IU fan to think this. We are allowed to win games in the Big Ten tournament. Like, I know we don't do it, and I know it just isn't something we like to do, but, I mean, if you can make a run to, like, they play a semifinal in the Big Ten tournament. I know, as an IU fan, we don't know what happens after the second Wait, round. Like they actually I've, play a second round and a semifinal. They play a finals. Like it's insane. Um, they have a finals the Big Ten tournament. They have a trophy. They have confetti. Everything. Orange slices for all the winners. Um, do you get a Do you get a banner for it? Like. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna have to I mean, we'll get our research team on this. I'm not sure everything Scott Green's yeah, I mean, is, is accurate. But anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean to, to be fair, Tom Crean gave banners for making the make of the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, that would also be a nice thing. A couple wins in the Big Ten tournament w- would be key. You know, I, I think Ryan highlighted all the cool game the, the important games. What I think is really interesting. I mean, your mission is this. Like you've given yourself a very small window. You're going to have to win some games that are tough. You got to make the tournament. Like they're just, I don't, there is no excuses. Like you have to make whatever you have to do. You have to make the tournament. What's kind of interesting to me that that Gayla and I talked about in our last pod last year's tournament is kind of this almost tack on that becomes whatever this year's is so if we make the tournament this year it's like all right well Archie made it two out of four years you know it's like all right you know you're, you're at least showing some progression if we don't make it this year then it's kind of like all right well we haven't never made the tournament like we didn't make it for all four yeah. years so like last year almost you're- becomes whatever this year is, is what last year is. It's like, it's like following a strike in
1: bowling. Like whatever yeah. happens next is what's important. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's hundred percent true. Cause you make it this year. It's like, all right, well last year was a make making you just count it. Like last year is going to be whatever it is. So it, but more important, you, you have to make the tournament. So it's like, I, I don't care. It's like, oh, it's tough. Like, you get down to, like, you need to win Michigan and Purdue, like, you got to win those two games. Like, whatever you got to do, you got to do it to get in the tournament. But I think, again, the Big Ten tournament is going to give you some options to get some wins. And if you can make a nice little run to the Big Ten tournament, there's no reason why this team – theoretically couldn't make a run they play they played well against a lot of teams and like ryan said they play up to their opponents they also play down like you can't lose in the first round but they might be able to knock off a seed again it's based on stuff i'm not sure is actually going to happen but i, I would think that you know a little run of the big 10 tournament would help too
1: yeah and one thing to clarify real quick because i know Andy, you want to chime in here but you, losing at home to illinois in overtime losing to rutgers at home and losing to Northwestern at home has put you in this position you made your bed now yeah. you have to prove that you can get out of it
0: well and the interesting thing is with the way the schedules played out I mean you you who knows whether these games get rescheduled but you've you've tipped your scales toward having more home games than road games if you only end up playing the 18 game you know end up playing eighteen games you'll play ten of them at home so you've actually somehow given yourself an advantage that you've uh, in some ways failed to take advantage of I mean when I look at this I, I agree with you. Ryan what you said I think the ones that you feel like you definitely need to win are Minnesota at home who is Minnesota has really struggled on the road uh has has played really well at home obviously and and beat Purdue today uh and then Michigan State at home I think those are I don't want to say non-negotiable because if you won the other four you could probably do whatever you wanted in those and then to me you put yourself in a pretty precarious position if you lose the other four even though they're all quad one games if you end up two and eleven in quad one opportunities at some point that that says you just you gotta can't win games you just can't point. beat good yeah. teams it's great to get the opportunity so so to me i think you got to win at least one of the others just to give yourself um you know that even puts you three and ten, which doesn't sound very good, quite frankly. I think if you could find a way to split those, you end up four and nine against Quad One, six and zero against Quad Two, and then three and one against Quad Three. You'd feel pretty good. Uh, the Big Ten tournament, is, as Scott said, will be another opportunity where you're not going to play a, a team that a loss is going to hurt you, but it's another good quality win uh, opportunity. So I think those those two home wins are ones you got to get, and then if you can find a way to to get a couple of the others. then I think you'd feel pretty safe because that would give you at least one really strong road win uh, to add to one that you've already gotten against Iowa. So that's how I look at it. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with those other games, if they get rescheduled or not. Um, And and the Michigan game, who knows what they're going to look like after a long layoff. I know that game is a lot later in the season for IU, but we've seen teams struggle to get back into a little bit of rhythm. Clemson had that where they, they struggled for a little while coming back. It took them a while to get back to the way that they were playing. So that'll be something to watch as they, uh, as they get back into action. All right. So with that, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up and we'll get ready to answer your questions when we come back. The mediocre question of the week returns. So we'll start there. And then we've got another one about TJD's pro prospects. Stick with us here on the assembly call.
3: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery. The mega millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player. five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery. The mega millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player. Five. This is Nick Zeisloft, I never miss an Open 3, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call.
0: And welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Scott Caulfield. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter, we send out a weekly IU news roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a, de- out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Again, that's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Now time for our mailbag. All questions uh, submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And we have a the triumphant return of...
1: It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question.
0: All right. Nothing says Mediocre Question by not submitting one for arguably the last three months. But Jay asks, if you could change one thing and only one thing that would improve how IU starts games, what would it be? His, his suggestion, stop force-feeding TJD in the post to start every game. Feels like he rushes his first few shots of the game because he knows the ball is coming to him. Badly wants to get the team off to a good start. Uh, and instead, run some action for Al or Armand to get the ball going downhill and coming off screens in the position to shoot. Let TJD work his way into the game. Uh, all right, Ryan, quick thoughts on what you would change to help IU start games better.
1: Uh, I, I disagree. I think they need to force feed trace to get him started because if you don't get trace started, sometimes he wanders through the first half. I think you need to get him started. What I would also do is run some downhill action where you put Armand Franklin in the corner and get somebody to drive and make them help off of Armand, leaving him open in the corner for a three. Same with Al. I I would really try and corner your best shooters and drive off of that. The problem is Rob Finnessy, not a great driver. And so, and he hasn't shown the willingness to drive full speed downhill, but if you need to use Christian Lander for that or something other someone else, I think you really need to start going downhill.
2: Scott, what about you? I would say whatever you do in the Northwestern game, just do the opposite. It's like George Costanza, just whatever you see at Northwestern, I'm going to do the opposite. And next thing you know, you're going to be up 25, nothing
0: it's interesting i do feel like they've run they ran a set play for Armand out of that one timeout when it was that i alluded to in the banner moment when it was 62-57 and and had him you know Ray catch it a
2: three.
0: yeah catch it at the top of the key I, they've run plays for him before and it's been effective i they don't do it very often and i think it always uh generates some jeers on on twitter as the, as does virtually everything but you know if like Hey, finally, you ran a play for a guy to shoot the ball, and he it paid off, and you did some of that. I, I think part of it to me is, is a lot of just the pace, and that I think ultimately is the reason a lot of people like watching Lander play because it's just a different pace of play, and it inherently makes things look like they're running a little bit smoother, even if they're not. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that to advocate starting him in the game, but I think the pace that they play in some of these situations just kind of – allows the game to grind down and, and not really getting guys uh, in the, in the flow as much, but um, but we'll see any, any quick thoughts. We've got 10 seconds. Any other ideas that you just came up with? I guess not. All Start right. Start making shots. That would be a
2: good yeah, one. Hit, hit threes, hit multiple threes.
0: That is crazy. We can't. Uh, all right. That's that seems it. like we're
1: done. No more questions.
0: All right. That seems like a good place to end with that crazy idea of making shots. Uh, all right, so thanks everybody. For joining us on this week's edition of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Special thanks to Rob Thompson for producing much of the music that you heard on the show. And thanks to you for listening. We'll be back on Sunday uh, after the, or Saturday after the Ohio state game uh, until then.
3: Take it from me, Max Bielfeld, keep your calves flexed, your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go
0: Thank everybody
1: for coming out. All
3: right. I gotta get out of here, folks. Thank
1: you.
0: All right. We can hit these other uh these other questions here as we as we go. Yeah, I definitely don't ad- I'm not advocating for lander to start, but the the difference in the pace of play and that the offense runs is night and day for sure. Um All right. So Sally's question. uh, There's been a lot of talk about Trace not being ready for the NBA. Let's just assume that is true. What are the pros and cons of him staying another year at IU or getting the training he needs in the G League? Isn't that the purpose of the G League? I know, Scott, um, you had said when you were emailing before you had some thoughts on this. So I'll uh, I'll throw this one to you first.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's... To me, it's and we're off now. I can cuss now, right? So I'm. I'm
0: I mean, you were before in the middle, so yeah, Um, yeah. I don't know what the. uh, I don't know. Kind of past that point, but I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what the rules are on that. So I, I I marked a couple in case
2: Jared needs to. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 figure it out. (sighs) All right, sorry. Um, No, yeah. I'm I'm a bad. I'm a bad. um no well, I, it's taken this
1: long we're actually impressed with you
2: for waiting yeah i know it this, this is long. pretty good um yeah i, my, my I mean the euchre
0: story had a few so let's not like <laughs> let's not pat ourselves on the back too much with that i mean we didn't like it's not like he waited <laughs> no, until no, after I the mean, show i was mean over.
2: he's been a guest before oh and never okay done i got it i got you so i i'm, I'm impressed <laughs> i thought you meant today to i was yeah.
0: like i mean we've got yeah i've
2: been doing it in the after dark in the breaks the after dark breaks. yeah there you go no here's my thing i i think it's i think it's a it's it's this is Archie. like Archie's got to get a guy who's this talented to be drafted. Um, and you've got to put him in position positions where he can show what he's doing. The fact he hasn't taken a three this season is criminal. Um know he sh- he's not good at it, but he's not going to get better by not doing it. And that's what the NBA wants to see. coming in at whatever he is, like six eight as a you know guy who only shoots three feet from the hoop. Um, that's not going to get you drafted. Um, you know, so to me, it's like this is on Archie to get – this is not a good sign if you can't get Trace Jackson Davis with the skills that he has um, drafted in the first round. Here's what I would say. I put him always in like, the Christian Watford category. And I, I, I'm so happy Watford came back because he hit a shot against Kentucky, which was great. But you had a spot where Watford, after his junior year – I said it at the time. I say it now. I stand by it. Watford was going to be a professional basketball player, and he was. Not in the NBA – he's going to play basketball professionally and make money playing basketball in other countries, which is awesome. It's better than 98% of people who ever play basketball are able to do. He did not get any better at IU his senior year that made him a better draft prospect. Yeah. The only
1: thing he got better at was defense and that was mildly better. It wasn't like,
2: yeah. And and he hit a three. I mean, honestly, I kind of said the same thing for Yogi Ferrell. Like I think after Yogi's junior year, it's like, this is as good as he's going to get. He only has so many years in those knees, go get paid man. go get your money. I feel that same way with Trace Jackson. Like, he should go pro. He may not get drafted. He may get drafted at the end of the second round. But, like, honestly, you're seeing it now. He's not going to get any more skills that would make him employable in the NBA at IU. He's just not because he's got to shoot threes. He's got to play more exterior perimeter defense. He's not doing that. Um, And I do think people have a very narrow view of what professional basketball is. Like, the NBA. You can
1: make really good money overseas.
2: Jeff like, Newton's like in the Japanese basketball hall of fame, like you or sorry, Filipino. He, I think, I think it's Japan. Like, he's in anyway, you can make a ton of money. Yeah, Nick Zaislaw, earlier, he's still playing in like Greece or something. You make a ton of money being a professional basketball player in other countries. There's no fault to it. You can do it in the G League. Um, so yeah, I, I would love for him to stay, but I think as a basketball player for his progression, the best thing for him to do is start being coached by professionals.
1: Yeah, I, I would say this about Trace, and, and I've heard nothing contrary, he's going pro after the season, unless he just all of a sudden decides, well, all my friends are here. I kind of want to run it back with my friends, which is not a bad decision if that's for the life experience of getting to play with his friend, you know, because he's close with a lot of these guys now that are on the team that were a year younger than him or or two years younger than him in in Lander's case. Um, And he just decides, you know, this is what I want to do. That's the only way he's coming back. He's not coming back because he needs to get better because here's the thing. Look at Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant went to the NBA was drafted far lower than he should have been. He was a six ten guy with skill, and he was drafted late. And the Lakers snagged him with a second round pick because they were like, "We cannot believe he fell this far." Guy was a lottery pick the year before. He dropped because Indiana had a bad season, not because he was bad. He, it was because he was pretty much the same guy, and he even added a little bit. But he fell because Indiana was terrible his last year, and he went to the G League and turned himself into a starting NBA center within a few months. I mean, had the Lakers not already had a pretty good situation in the in the low post, he would have been playing for the Lakers. Instead, they had to release him because of a salary cap crunch. He goes to Washington, and within a few weeks, he's their starting center. Uh, after the se- you know the next season, the reason why is because. When you leave college, you get to focus 24 hours a day on being a professional basketball player. And you get to work with a lot of, you get to hire coaches individually to, uh, to help you work out. You get to work, you work for it with a team that hires people specifically to make you better. It changes the calculus. You may not get drafted, but you can become an exponentially better basketball player working with professional coaches and focusing full time on training and on developing your skill sets, things that you're prohibited from doing by the NCAA. And so that's why you see guys go pro, even if they're not going to get drafted or they're a second round pick or they're, you know, it's a guy who's a lottery talent, but he goes in the 20s and he knows he's going to go in the 20s. And while you could come back and get better, it's a lot harder to get better in college than it is to get better at the professional level. Some guys do it. Some guys come back. I mean, I, I disagree with you, Scott. I think Yogi Ferrell got a lot better between his junior and senior yeah. years. And, and I I would agree with you at the time, maybe viewing it after his junior year is like, well, look at his size, look at his restrictions. He became a much better three point shooter, his senior year. And he became a guy who could take over games, which he wasn't. He was occasionally as a junior, but he became, you know, almost, you know, in contention for a national player of the year. um, so I would say that's a rare example of where like a guy later in his career got way better guys between their freshmen and sophomore years get way better all the time. Uh, they say, I mean, that's the saying, and it sticks all the time. The best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores and, and you, and you've seen it with Armand Franklin. Look at the jump he's taken and become better now, but for certain guys, they're not going to get that much better in a college setting. They need like Trace Jackson Davis needs his, entire game worked on because he needs to be able to hit a 15 footer consistently. Heck he needs to be able to hit a three point shot occasionally and he needs to become better, you know, moving his feet and things like that that he's just not going to get in Indiana. I don't think. And so I would say, yeah, it's the obvious move for him to take the next step because he hasn't taken, he's not going to take the next step in college. I don't think, I think he could be a very dominant college player. Doing the kind of things, the kinds of things that he's doing, and getting marginally better every year, but he's not going to become a better professional, future professional at the
2: college level. Well, I think the it's last those... thing I'll say about Jackson Davis, sorry, Andy, no, go ahead. but just that that I will say about like that I think is a real problem that we have moving forward. and The same thing with Christian Lander is, you know, you have a guy in Jackson Davis who's a talent. And was a stud recruit coming out. And honestly, if he would have I hate saying this, if he would have gone to Kentucky, he'd just be catching lobs and would have been a first round pick last year. Um, you know, the fact that he's not barely in the second round in most draft projections may not get drafted. Like to me, that's a huge black mark on Archie Miller and his ability. If I'm a recruit, if I'm the next six ten guy, six eight guy who's a stud in high school, it's like, I'm not gonna go there you know that that's a guy that he couldn't get Jackson Davis drafted you know and Romeo was injured but like he took a lottery pick dropped him down and then you have Christian Lander you know he's not you see him now it's like all right we can't be starting but it's like dude that's a five star who reclassified guys don't five stars don't just reclassify to come sit in the bench and get 4 minutes like yeah. th- this is this is another topic maybe an off season thing but like Archie's doing himself zero favors on getting these high level talents by getting guys dropping in the draft not you know putting a, a getting Jackson Davis in a spot where he's going to show off talents the NBA wants, and then honestly playing Lander more like it's it's kind of a you know this is. I've said it like five different times. I apologize. Like my neighbor is a Michigan State fan, a friend of mine. The minute he heard we got Landers, like, well, that guy's gonna be starting for you next year. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, dude, that's the way it goes. It's like, but by the way, he has a lot more experience with five stars than I do, and I think that's the way as IU fans are because I listen to IU fans. Oh, you can't play Landers. he sucks. Can't play him. It's like, okay, but that's a five star. Like he's got other friends who are five stars, and he's telling his friends right now, this sucks. Like I reclassified because I wanted to go to the NBA in 2021. Um, I wasn't expecting to play 2022. Sorry, 2022. He always, yeah. But I, mean, I wasn't no, expecting He, to he four knew minutes.
1: he was doing a two-year thing. Yeah. Uh,
2: but I just I think these are all massive problems. Like if you yeah. can't get Jackson Davis drafted in the first round after two years, of the talent he has, yeah, something is wrong.
1: No, and they're very lucky that Boston took Romeo Lankford as the last pick in the lottery because they can still say, Well, we had a lottery pick. But they're <laughs> yeah. very lucky that he- he got taken where he was because he was projected to go possibly 20. And that felt like a drop, but they're very lucky. They can still point yeah. to saying, hey, we produced a lottery pick. We produced Juwan Morgan, who became the first undrafted guy to ever start a playoff game, you know, like undrafted rookie to start a playoff game. Like they were able to sort of manipulate some things there and uh, in their messaging. But yeah, I mean, if you're consistently taking guys who should be really good and having them not perform to that level, yeah, that's, that's definitely a mark.
0: All right, next uh, next question. We'll hit we'll hit this next one, and then we'll uh, we can we can wrap up. Uh, so, from Jerry, is there an off court problem with this team? Hunter made it back on the court, made a big shot. Looked like a couple of the coaches were trying to calm him down when he was taken out near the end of the game. TJD had shown lousy body language past several games. and just looked totally uninterested last night. And finally, the whole team looked like it was Saturday night at the Y for all the first half and most of the second half. What's going on? I don't know that any of us is in a great position to truly uh, assess assess things from that standpoint, but, uh, either of you guys have, have thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I, I think again, it's, it's hard to say, I will say this is a young team and, you know, trace Jackson Davis having lousy body language at times. We've seen that before, but he's also what 20. Uh, I had a lot of lousy body language until I was like 30. So, I mean, it's, you know, they are kids. And, and that stuff's going to happen. And remember what they're dealing with constantly. And, and a lot of teams have had problems this year. They're constantly being tested. They're constantly locked down. Uh, a lot of college football teams opted out of bowl games because the players were tired of being, you know, they basically had weren't seeing their families. They were being tested constantly. They had to be locked down. They had months of just not seeing anybody but their teammates. I I, I think that this is a weird year and it's starting to wear on people. And you've had other teams have issues, too. And so I think that if you're worried about off the court stuff, I mean, I don't see there aren't any real off the court problems popping up. Obviously whatever happened with Jerome Hunter, he upset the coaching staff. The coaching staff said he was going to have to work to get back in their good graces. He sat a game dressed for another game, but didn't play and then played against Northwestern. So whatever happened, he earned his way back onto the court. Um, but I, I don't think that you know that all the reports we hear about this team is they're all really tight. They're all friends. They all get along. There's not. It's not a clicky team where some guys are off doing their own thing and some guys are off doing their thing. Like this is a tight team. They're just not performing on the court. I don't know what the disconnect is. And and again, if you listen to we've talked about it, if you listen to Archie Miller talk basketball, the guy knows what he's talking about. There's just a disconnect between imparting that wisdom and motivating the players. You know to do what he wants them to do that's not letting him off the hook. I'm saying there, there's, there's there's a problem with his communication there that's not working. Um, but if you hear the guy talk about basketball, he knows basketball. He knows the system. He knows what he wants. You look at, you know, statistically, he, his offense gets a lot of open, good looks, unguarded looks that they should be hitting. The players aren't making them. You know, that's not, That's not again, not letting him off the hook. He's got to develop these guys. Um, so it's it's hard to know what's going on. Um but I, you know, I can't sit here and say there's a big, like, uh, you know, off the court problem when we've got nothing reported that there was a big off the court problem with this team. I mean, when Kelvin Sampson was here, you could talk to pretty much anybody who went to school in Indiana and they knew there were problems with that team off the court. Uh, it was not a quiet thing. I lived in Bloomington at the time. I was no longer in school. And even I knew what was going on. So, it's when those things happen, you hear about them. We haven't really heard anything about this team having problems, Joe.
0: Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I, 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 I fall in line with what, what you said, where everything that you hear is that this team gets along really well, as good as any team in, in recent years. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't view anything off court necessarily as a reason for the sluggish starts. That's certainly something that has to get fixed and is a recurring theme and a recurring problem. Um, but I don't necessarily attribute it to to off-court stuff and to your point that that's not anything that's really been floated around even you know in other years there's certainly been rumors about that kind of stuff that may or may not have you know truly played, played a role in some things but i I haven't got wind of any of that kind of thing for, for this year
2: yeah I mean I, I think this all goes hand in hand with just you know the team isn't playing well and they're not really on a run i mean when when rob when, you know fantasy hit that that winner against um Oh God, who was it a couple of weeks ago? Um, I I've even forgotten the game. Like you know, he a game winner. Like the team looked fired up. Like I mean, when when Hunter hit that that shot last night, like the the, the bench they was going nuts. Went nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think that I think what you're finding is like just like we don't like grinding out a double overtime win against at Northwestern. They know it too. It's Like, dude, Northwestern sucks. That arena's small. It's like that's not fun. Like, they're gripping the bat. They know it's a big game. They know they just lost, beat Iowa, and they can't come back and lose Northwestern. Like, they're not on a run. You know, you know what team is fun if you go watch them? Looks like they're having a good time, Gonzaga, because they're, like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, they play the doors Fun when you're No, I, I mean seriously. Like, it's 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 a you know I, I joked earlier in the show about we haven't won three games in the Big Ten in a while. It's like. If we win two or three more in a row, this, the body language will go away. So I'm not saying it's a bad question, but it's kind of like teams that are kind of, you know, we're sputtering. We're kind of going, playing well, playing not. Like when they're playing well, they look fine. Like when they're not, they're looking like they're, they, they look like they're thinking too much. Like, this was a Tony Adranja thing on, on our pod. It was like, they just need to play more pickup. And, like, the, it, it, honestly, I see it with Phinnessy the most. It's like, the minute I heard that, that's all I see with Phinnessy is a guy who just needs to play. Like, stop thinking. stop Like, just just play. Go play pickup at the hyper. Like, stop thinking about anything. Like, honestly, Finishy probably shouldn't be coached right now. It's like, just go play basketball. Like And stop thinking about what you're being told. But they they look like they're, they're nervous, they're tentative. And, and I think that shows, I think, if they just got on a little streak, you, you would see the body language change.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean... Gonzaga just plays free and easy, but it's somewhat easy to do when you're up by 18 points all the time, and you don't need to <laughs> don't
2: yeah. feel like the the, the, West, the West Coast helps too when you're playing like oh San Diego yeah. and Pepperdine and Pacific Good absolutely nice. hey,
1: hey hey. ease up on USD huh they 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 uh, their coaches tried to talk to me when I was in high school
0: about it. nice uh oh so one, it's a
1: fine program only a fine program would
0: one one real quick one Ryan because I think I saw you answer this on Twitter at some point um. Rick asks: is it safe to assume at this point that Parker Stewart is not going to play this year? Has he been practicing with the team? And if so, have there been any reports about his game? I I feel like I saw you answer something similar to this on on Twitter or somewhere. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Parker has been practicing from what I understand. I don't know if he's doing full court stuff, but he's doing drills and stuff like that. I don't know if he's doing game plan stuff or what. Uh, But what I've been told by everybody is that he does not plan to play this year. And I think maybe if there were like massive injuries and he had to be forced into action, he would. But what that kid's been through during the last year, I'm glad he's not gonna play. You know, I I I think you could use as many good basketball players as, as you can uh, right now. But at the same time, I, I think that that yeah, he's he's going to to sit out from all indications I've heard. Now that could change, of course. He could just wake up one day and say, He, you know what, I wanna play. But given the loss of his father and all that stuff and the transfer and and the emotional and and probably some physical baggage associated with you know all of that stuff I don't think he should play this year. I think he's he's a kid who needs to take a break from basketball and, and focus on his family. And so um you know he's with the team and I think that's probably going to be something that helps him get through whatever he's going through just to give him something to do and and, and not focus on it. But I, I think that yeah this is this is a kid who who needs some time and I think that I I Indiana fans should respect that. Parker Stewart's going to play when he's ready to play and 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 Indiana fans should respect that.
0: Yeah, I think, um, and certainly the more games you go, the less likely you are to try to integrate a new piece outside of a, a dire situation like what you described, where you're, you know, really, really hampered by injuries or things like that. But at this point, yeah, if you really got six games left in regular season, like that, it just doesn't, it just isn't the time to to try to insert somebody new into the rotation. I think um, you already see that Archie struggles, I think, to figure out how to dole out the minutes when he wants to get some of the young guys minutes now. So you throw another guy in the mix of that, I think it just becomes that much more difficult. And, and to your point, Ryan, I think there's a lot of other factors that suggest probably taking this, this season off is going to be best for him in the short term and the long term, just in terms of letting himself get acclimated to the program and to Bloomington and all those kinds of things. And, and then be ready to come back and, and play next year.
1: And it's also kind of a weird year to like show up somewhere, you know, cause it's yeah. not like, it's not like he's getting to hang out at Knicks and kind of feel part of the community. You know, I mean, he's 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 kind of, you know, stuck away from everything and, and they're kind of in their own corridor. And, and, I mean, it's great for getting to know your teammates, but at the same time, you know, there's no indication that he's comfortable in his new surroundings yet. I, I He seems to be enjoying being on the bench with the team, and I think it's great that he he's traveling with the team and being involved, and he's very excited every time they do something good. So I, I think that's a good step. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that, that we should – be at the default setting that he's not going to play this year. And if he does, and if he seems happy and great, awesome. But I think the default setting for every Indiana fan should be expecting, hey, he's not going to play this year, and that's the way it should be.
0: Yep. All right. I think we hit most of the questions. Is there anything else you want to hit real quick before we uh, wrap things up?
1: No, I'm about to hit some dinner, and that's it.
0: All right. Fair enough. Scott, it's always great having you on, man. Yeah, appreciate it. I apologize.
1: apologize for andy for just completely taking over
0: the show it happens <laughs> it happens
2: no it i uh happens. anytime man i i appreciate it um either one of you guys man i want to get one of you on crimson cast so let me know i know ryan let's do it i know Andy yeah. got a bunch of stuff so off
1: season is definitely the best time but yeah uh yeah let's do it uh, i'm for sure willing to come on cool all right are well guys, how often are you guys doing shows right now
2: we took like we took like three weeks off we did one last yeah. week.
1: That's why I, I think we're gonna
2: try and do one this week. I was jo- like, <laughs> I was joking with Galen on on our pod. I was like, there's a couple of tells. Like, if you listen to Bill Simmons, he talks about the Celtics a lot. Like, you can tell when I hate our coaching staff or we don't like what's going on. Is like we just stopped podcasting. Like the last <laughs> two years, ago, was <laughs> like we did like three pods over like 18 months, and it's like now we're just. It's kind of like I mean, because the way we do it is way less. I mean, way less structure. You guys it's like. I, there's another, we're just hitting the same topic over and over and over again. We're oh like,
1: God, the cre you're, you're doing the cream years for what we did during the cream years. There were times we would get on after a post game, like after a game to do the post game show. And Andy and I would both be Jared's like setting up and Jared's always positive And he's always like, "Yeah, I know. All right. You know, and Jared's setting up and Andy and I would both be like, why are, why do we even do the show? We're just, like, can we just replay last week's show? Yeah, And
0: just do a voiceover of the team yeah, of the other team yeah. name. Well, but, tonight, but in today's game against Maryland.
2: To Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean exactly. we're kind of at that. I mean, I'm kind of mentally at that point just because I, I need to see some I need to see them do something different. So, like we didn't, you know, you asked, like, what What are we gonna do? Like, to me, it's like you gotta win out, or so you've got to do something that's just like is completely unexpected. Well, that's the
1: biggest um, issue. That I've heard for people in the athletic department, the biggest issue with the program right now is not what's going on the court. It's what's happening off the court with the fans. Like there is a malaise about yeah. this program. It's legit. And, and it's people are just, and and they say like, and, and a couple of people I've talked to have said they wish it was more like people were angry. It's more just like people don't care. And that's the worst place to be in. Cause if they're angry, you're like, okay, if we get it right, we have passionate fans ready to like back us. But when they're just kind of like, nah, I don't care, kind of just numb like to whatever happens. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst place to be. And they feel like they're there right now. And it's bad. And again, winning cures everything. You win your last couple games and you make a run in the NCAA tournament. People are back on the bandwagon, but it they just see right now. It feels like there's a real problem going on with with
2: excitement. Yeah, and I, so that's why we'll I think see. you know getting an 11 seed in the tournament, you you've got to make it, and like making the tournament is great, and that's not a bad thing. But getting an 11 seed, it's like, all right, again, <laughs> like that's yeah. well. Here's that, the that, thing: really going to get people what's fired the, up. It's like
1: if if you look back, what's the most exciting thing that's happened at, at to IU basketball in the last four years? It's getting Romeo Langford. That was yeah. the the moment where the entire fan base was united in excitement. Since then, yeah, there've been some nice wins, but it's always been yeah, they won, but yeah, you know, they beat. Mich- Michigan State, but you know, like I mean, there've been these like downer things associated with it. The I mean, last time there was absolute jubilation was when they got Romeo. Since then, it's kind of been like, eh. You know,
2: and that's what I've been saying is that and that season was such a disappointment and that losing streak was so bad. It's like that was a subpar like that was below average. You can't now just have back to back average years and like we're all good. It's like, no, you need to give me an above average year like that. You need to go above and beyond. Like that's why I said. You got to win out and like make big win the Big Ten tournament, like win the next 12 games, like do something that is just completely unexpected because you did the reverse two years ago where you just did something unexpectedly worse than I was expecting. You can't just now be average and finishing nine and 11, two years in a row in the big 10. Yeah. But no, I, I feel the malaise. I mean, I see it talking with all of my other friends who are IU fans. Like, it's like people are just checking out. It's like, yeah, whatever. Um, And it's, I mean, and and now they're competing with other, you know, I'm a season ticket. I'm a half season ticket holder with the Pacers. And I've said this to my guys at the varsity club. I've said it to the Pacers. It's like, The Pacers treat me so much better than IU basketball does Um, as a varsity club member. And I give about the same amount to both of them, except the Pacers are a business. And they don't treat it as if like it's my right to have to give money to the varsity club. Um, yeah. You know, little, little things like they're redoing the field house. Like I was down there two days ago. They gave me a private tour of it, and they're doing it for everybody. It's not like I'm special, but it's like they're treating me like I'm special because they know that my credit card and he's a paying special. customer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when it comes time to run my check, and like you know, little things like they, you know, I have a rep, and they'll like come down. Like they know I'm bringing my son to a game. They'll a stuffed boomer. It's like I have two dollars from China. It's like, but it like all that stuff goes a long way. And with IU basketball, they just have never done that because it's like this oh you have priority points like give us money to get your 12 points even now like under the pandemic sorry i'm now ranting like even now like i'm getting letters (laughs) It's my job damn it i know it's like you know every every hundred dollars is two priority points like it's you'll keep your priority going it's like you you gotta like finesse this because people are gonna make some like now that i haven't paid for pacers tickets for 12 months Part of me is like, well, do I really want to keep shelling out four grand a year for these tickets? The same thing with IU basketball and football. Like, a lot of decisions are going to be made. I'm not getting rid of my tickets for IU basketball and football, but I think a lot of other people are looking at this like, well, I haven't done it for 12 months. Like, I, why do I want to I do it you again? To, like, if
1: you have to drive to games that are already on TV, and you know, I mean, there's there's just yeah. levels. And, and, there.
2: then, and then it gets, and then it, that goes to the perception of like, that's why I want to see us go and just kick the snot out of see, I did cuss, kick the snot <laughs> out of Northwestern. Like that's why I don't want to go and drive down two hours to assembly hall, be treated like everybody else. And then watch us barely beat Northwestern. Like that's, I go for the, like it's entertainment in the end. Like it's supposed to be fun. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, good times. All right, guys. Cool. All right.
1: I, I I can sit here and listen to scout rant for hours, but I got to get going. No, right. thank you
2: guys for having me. Always. love it. Anytime.
0: Appreciate it, Scott. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back right. Saturday Later. afternoon and Thanks, uh, I will uh, talk then. Appreciate it. Thanks everybody.
3: All right. Later.